Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Are you looking to build an independent practice that is fulfilling, impactful, and financially rewarding? Did you know that I run a business course that's designed to help you do exactly that without making all the mistakes I made along the way? Over 12 weeks, we take you through everything you need to know to set up a practice that lets you live your values. Through a combination of teaching from experts, legal templates to make sure your practice is covered, peer support and group coaching sessions, this is the place for anyone looking to get off the starting blocks in private practice. The course is always accessible in pre-recorded format and three times a year we run a live cohort. So what are you waiting for? Join us at psychologybusinessschool.com forward slash the psychology business school. The link's in the show notes. I am not going to beat around the bush today. LinkedIn is a powerful social media platform for psychologists and therapists, anyone really who wants to grow their authority and ultimately their practice. And I think most of us have been ignoring it for much too long because it used to have this reputation for being a bit corporate, a bit networky and to be frank, a bit boring. And I'm not claiming to be an expert on LinkedIn by a very long way. I actually have an expert speaker, Sarah Clay, who's coming into the Do More Than Therapy membership this month to teach us about how we can use LinkedIn to the full. But I have found that LinkedIn has actually been very instrumental in the way that I've grown Psychology Business School and this podcast. So I really wanted to share some of the insights that I've gathered along the way about how awesome LinkedIn can be and actually what a fun and engaging platform it can be as well as a kind of businessy, networky platform. Because I really think that this is a great tool to help you to grow your authority, grow your reach and ultimately achieve your goals in your practice. So I don't want you to miss out for any longer. Okay. So I've got seven ways that you can use LinkedIn to talk through today. But before we get into those kind of seven things that you could be doing on LinkedIn, there's a couple of things you need to make sure that you've got sorted before you start using LinkedIn to reach out to other people. And firstly, you need to set up your profile. So your profile on LinkedIn is this brilliant opportunity to present a business card that showcases exactly what you want to offer your LinkedIn audience. So notice I'm saying your LinkedIn audience. You have to be intentional about who you want to reach on LinkedIn. We're going to talk a lot about that in this episode. So it's very important that you're not trying to cover everything that you do and have ever done in your profile because that will just be overwhelming to people. So you need to think about who you want to connect with and build relationships with specifically on LinkedIn and then create your profile just for them. So you can use that space to showcase what you offer to them, your relevant experience, include good photos that make you seem professional, but also easy to talk to. And you can really showcase anything exciting that you've had going on recently. Little video clips work really well if you've done any public speaking. You can link to um, podcast episodes, videos you've created. It's a really great place to basically show off all that authority building work that you've been doing. 
So a good example from our own community is Alexandra Button's profile. Uh, Shout out to Alex, she's my EMDR supervisor. Uh, Hi Alex, I hope you don't mind me mentioning you. Uh, But Alex is an EMDR consultant and she offers EMDR and equine therapy to her clients. But she recognised that LinkedIn was going to be most useful for reaching out to other psychologists and therapists who might want to book supervision or consultancy to help them through the EMDR accreditation process. So her profile on LinkedIn is tailored towards those people. Rather than trying to speak to both her potential therapy clients and her potential supervisees, she's just picked other professionals to talk to on LinkedIn. And that's a really great example of knowing who your ideal client group is for a particular platform and making sure you create everything for them specifically. We've talked about the importance of this in episodes on generic social media, Facebook and Instagram, and I'll link to all of those in the show notes. But it's particularly true and particularly important on LinkedIn. And you'll see why when we talk about the strategies that work really well on LinkedIn. So the second thing you need to make sure you've got right before you start connecting with other people on LinkedIn is your strap line. And that's the few... Um, I think it's like two lines you get under your name and it shows up everywhere that you post and everywhere that you connect. So it's brilliant because it immediately allows people to see who you are and what you do, which is just fantastic in terms of building your network and making sure you can communicate quickly with the right people. You're only allowed a few words really, but it should sum up who you help and how you help. And if you have space after that, you can also put some of your key skills like therapy, podcasting, online courses, for example. But the most important thing is to write your strapline in terms your ideal client group would understand. For example, if I was trying to reach clients directly on LinkedIn, I'd probably say something tangible and specific to a particular project that I'm working on. So for example, I don't have this coming out at the moment, but if I did have an online course coming out for working parents who are struggling with anxiety, and I hope to talk to those people directly on LinkedIn, my strapline might be something like clinical psychologist and creator of Become the Boss of Your Anxiety, helping working parents to overcome anxiety so they can be rewarded at work and enjoy their time at home. Now, I've literally just come up with that off the top of my head. I'd probably have to kind of trim it down a little bit. But um, and become the boss of your anxiety is not the name of an online program that I've created or anything. Um, But you you see that example is, is nice and tangible. It puts at the forefront the project that I want people to know about at that moment. And it's hopefully speaking in the language that the people who would want to buy that course would understand. However, if I was mainly planning to use LinkedIn to talk to other professionals about the same course uh, and to get referrals for that course from other professionals, I might use totally different language. In that case, I might say something like clinical psychologists using CFT and ACT to help working parents struggling with anxiety and trauma. That would be a rubbish strapline for my ideal client group but perfect for 
the group of professionals I was trying to connect with on LinkedIn. So it really is about thinking about the people that you want to connect with on LinkedIn, that you want to build an audience of, and making sure that you tailor your strapline to those specific people. There are no generic rules that you should be following here. And I do hear a lot of marketing advice, um, which works really well for most businesses, um, which is all about you have to make a really tangible strapline every time. And I think that is totally true if you're reaching out to clients directly. And that's why I gave you that example of the Become the Boss of Your Anxiety course. But if you are trying to build your professional network, there are certain professional shorthands that we use that might actually be more useful to you. Um, So you've really got to think about who you're trying to connect with and the language that's going to resonate with them and allow them to understand why you're connecting with them in the quickest way possible. Because when your connection request lands in their inbox, they're going to make a very quick decision about whether they accept you or not. So use the language that's going to help them know whether they want to accept that request or not. So that brings me on to the seven ways psychologists and therapists can use LinkedIn. So number one, the first and most obvious way that you can use LinkedIn is to connect with your ideal client group directly. And by connecting, what I mean is sending them a message with a connection request. And in that message, you can ask for feedback about a project that you're working on, or you can offer them a freebie if that's appropriate. I mean, to be honest, I most often use LinkedIn to ask for feedback, specifically on clinical projects, because I wouldn't feel too comfortable reaching out directly and suggesting that somebody needs my freebie. Um, But if you have a specific type of offer where that feels more appropriate, or if you're offering something to a particular professional group, then it can be perfectly okay to let them know that you've created something valuable and free that they might find useful and drop them the link to it. I'd also, even if I was doing that though, I would still be asking for feedback from those people because the key here is you're connecting with them so that you can start to have conversations. So on LinkedIn, people that you're connected to, you can then freely message. So you can talk back and forth. Um, Most of the time when you connect with somebody, you also start following them. And that means that you'll start seeing their content and they'll start seeing yours. So it's like a two-way street. So you can effectively build an audience of the right people by connecting with the right people. Now, I have included a video in the show notes to this episode to show you how to do a connection request if you haven't done one before, because I know there's something that trips people up sometimes, um, and it is such a valuable strategy. So head to the show notes if you don't know how to do that, and click on the link, and you can see a walkthrough video of how to do a connection request and write a little message to somebody. Now, you can also, the second strategy is using LinkedIn to connect with people who have access to your ideal clients or might know your ideal clients better than you do. So this is actually my favorite way to use LinkedIn because often the clients that I want to connect with might not be on LinkedIn or I might not feel like it's the most appropriate way to interact with them. So you can use the search bar to look for people who have specialisms in the area that you're working in or who do a relevant job role 
and send them a connection request with a message explaining your project uh, and asking if they'd be willing to have a chat with you so you can meet the needs of the client group better. Now, I love, as a clinician, I love receiving these um, and I love the conversations that I get to have with people when I send them. They're usually really valuable um, conversations that help you to grow your network. So yes, people are busy and there'll be a lot of people who won't see your message, but the few that do can provide you with really important information about your ideal clients and, crucially, the connections that you need to develop your service. Like They might be people who can recommend your online course to other people who really need it or recommend that book that you've just written to people who they see day in, day out, but they don't offer that service to. Um, or they might be the people who recommend you for that job that you um, want to apply for. So there's loads of really good reasons to connect with other professionals around your project on LinkedIn. Those are just some of them. And that's the second way that we can use LinkedIn. So the first way was reaching out directly to people who are in your ideal client group for a product or service. And the second is to reach out to people who have indirect uh, connections and contact with your ideal client group. So the third way is creating an audience of people who need your product or service or can recommend your product or service. And this is the kind of traditional way that we think about social media. It's the way that LinkedIn is similar to all of the other social media platforms. Apart from, as we touched on, the people who see your content on LinkedIn are your connections. So you actually get to choose their characteristics. If you are discerning about who you accept in your connection requests and who you reach out to, then you can make sure that you tailor your audience to people who will be interested in the kind of content that you're creating around your product or service, which is a really unique opportunity. So number four then, if you're building an audience on LinkedIn, then it's a great place to post your authority building content. So we've talked a lot in this podcast about the importance of creating high value cornerstone content that really demonstrates that you know your stuff on your topic. And LinkedIn is a great place to be posting about that. So you can put your authority building content on LinkedIn directly. So LinkedIn allows you to post videos. It also has its own platform for blogging. So you can post LinkedIn articles. Um, and also longer form content sometimes does quite well on LinkedIn. Not always, you need to experiment with your specific audience, um, but sometimes you can get away with saying a little bit more on a topic than you can do on say Instagram or, or Facebook. So it can be really good for directly posting your authority building content. But number five is linking out to your authority building content, which might be on another platform. So LinkedIn is also a good place to get conversation going around a particular topic and then let people know, oh, I've talked more about this on my podcast or I've talked more about this on my YouTube channel or I've talked more about this on my blog, on my website. So like all social media platforms, LinkedIn prefers you to stay on the platform. It's going to um, create more engagement around your posts that remain on LinkedIn. But because you've got this kind of profile um, which acts as a business card for you, then putting your authority building content links 
out there every now and again just means that you're going to build up a bank that people can then go when they stalk you inevitably after you've put out some really interesting um, conversational points and when they start stalking to you and they go over to your profile they will then be able to see that blog post or that podcast episode so it's still valuable to link out to your authority building content and even though As we've said in all of our episodes on social media, it's probably not the best strategy to just do that. You're not there to broadcast, you're there to have conversations. And that's point number six. So LinkedIn is all about building relationships. So it's a great place to put conversational content, to talk about the issues that annoy you, (laughs) the issues that trouble you, that worry you, or issues that excite you, that you're enthusiastic about. Anything really that you've got an opinion on that you're happy to debate and talk about with other people. that there is no kind of reason to be bland and corporate in your content creation on LinkedIn. That's a massive myth that's been around for a long time, that content has to be very buttoned up and polished and perfect on LinkedIn. And that is absolutely the opposite of what I see happening on there. Generally, what I see working on LinkedIn is people being interesting, saying, you know, oh, I know a lot of people really love this technique, but... I don't find that it works very well. Um, discuss. And, and yeah, you might get controversial comments and you know you might have to think about what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. But if there are issues that you're comfortable with debating on, it is well worth bringing those to, to LinkedIn because people want to get to know your personality. People want to work with real people. Um, And so long as it's within your boundaries and within what you're comfortable with, LinkedIn's a really great place for that. So finally, number seven is probably the easiest strategy and the place that I recommend people start if they're a bit nervous on social media. And that is to to help out the community and get seen by commenting on other people's content and kind of adding value where you can. So you have expertise that I do not have. We all know about topics that our colleagues don't, even our colleagues that work in the same area of us as us. You might have read an article that I haven't read. You might have come across something which I haven't seen yet. So if I post on that topic, let me know. Say, oh, you might be interested in this, or I've just attended this training and this is what they said about that particular topic. If you find other people who are posting conversational type content on LinkedIn, then join in those conversations. Because the great thing about LinkedIn is because this strap line that we've talked about follows you around, when you post a comment, people get to see who you are and what you do straight away. So if they're looking for somebody like you and you've posted a a helpful comment on somebody else's post, then they'll come and have a look at your profile, track you around and potentially end up on your website. It's a really, really powerful tool because Facebook can't do that for us. Instagram can't do that for us. Um, Twitter can't do that for us. LinkedIn really has that unique quality to it. So I would definitely be out there commenting on other people's content, even if you're still too scared to pull the trigger on anything else. And I hope that you won't be after this podcast. Okay, so I do want to talk about two mistakes I often see on LinkedIn. We've already touched on the first one. And the first one is posting generic and boring stuff. (laughs) 
Um, so don't post any generic mental health memes. I know they're well-intentioned, but they're so bland that no one would ever want to interact with them. And it's just a bit of a waste of time. And if you think about it, that goes for anything where, where nobody could really disagree. So if you post something that you know, is primarily going to an audience of other psychologists and therapists, and often that's the truth of our existing LinkedIn audiences, and you post something about you know, basic grounding techniques, well, we're not gonna have a lot to say about it because we're all gonna agree that that is really great. Now that might work for a different audience, but it's about thinking about what your ideal client group on LinkedIn would have something to say about and only posting stuff which gives them something to say (laughs) because the aim is to spark conversation. It's a social platform. Um, So generally, posting stuff that's got a bit of your opinion in it followed by something that sparks debate is much better than just these kind of really straightforward educational um, pieces of content and one exception to that though would be if you do mainly have an audience of other professionals because maybe you're using LinkedIn to promote your workshops or something um, which is a great way to use it by the way whatever your specialism if you train other professionals in your specialism um, then LinkedIn could be a brilliant place to build up your profile for that Um, and if that is you and you have you know, created a better way of expressing, say, a common uh, technique that we're all using. So you know, you've come up with a graphic or a worksheet that you're happy for us all to use, then do share that on LinkedIn. That's, that's a bit different. Um, but just posting about, you know, oh, isn't it great to, um, to ground yourself when you feel like you're going into a panic attack that's not really going to get anybody talking so is is not really worth spending the time to post about on LinkedIn um however there could be situations in which that's the right thing to post so it's all about kind of knowing who you're posting for and thinking about you know what what would they have to say on this topic how can I get them talking about this subject So the second mistake that I see people making quite a lot on LinkedIn is linking to other people's content. So directly putting a link to a really interesting often news article or um, something they've read in in a magazine in their LinkedIn post. This used to be the absolute norm on LinkedIn and it got a bit of a reputation for kind of just being about that. But actually, LinkedIn really penalizes that. We've talked about the fact that they want to keep people on the platform. They really don't want you sending people off to, um, you know, the Guardian's website, for example. So usually it's much better to summarize the content that you want to share and to then let people find the links themselves if they're interested. So I might say, I read this really interesting article in The Guardian. This was my takeaway from it. What do you think? Um, I'd probably structure it a bit differently actually and put my takeaway at the top and then put that it was in the Guardian near the bottom um, to make it a bit more interesting and and hooky for for people. That's better for two reasons. Firstly, it's you showing your authority and your analysis a bit more. Again, it's about giving your opinion. 
Um, it's really important to have an opinion um, because you do. <laughs> People have opinions in real life. I don't know why sometimes on social media we try and kind of vacuum the opinion out of ourselves and just present as though we're entirely balanced on all fronts because it's not realistic and it doesn't make people want to work with you at all. Um, but but yes, yeah, so when you are sharing an article that you've come across or some news from your industry, um, then it's a really good idea to do that with a bit of an opinion, a bit of a summary, and then let people find the link themselves. Now, as I mentioned, I do think it's okay to share links to your own Cornerstone content sometimes, but you just can't expect a lot of traction on those posts. You just need to be confident that if people like your other content, they'll stalk your profile and see your post about your latest blog when they do. But you can also drop the link to your content in the comments to people who respond to your more conversational posts. So that's one way that you can use links. So I'm aware that we've kind of covered a lot of LinkedIn ground today, but there is still much more to learn about LinkedIn. So do join us in the Do More Than Therapy membership for our LinkedIn masterclass with expert Sarah Clay. Sarah is going to be teaching a class specifically for psychologists and therapists who want to use LinkedIn to grow their practice or audience for an online course. So the class is taking place on the 18th of November at 12.30, and that's 2021, if you're listening to this in the future. But it will be recorded, so all members can access it at any time. It all sits in our content library, ready for you whenever you want it. So to find out more about the Do Modern Therapy membership, you can click through on psychologybusinessschool.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. And for anyone who doesn't know, the Do One Therapy membership is our monthly membership that helps you confidently step out of the therapy room and help people in more creative ways. So every month we have a masterclass with an expert uh, who helps you get that book written, launch that online course, start that podcast or get the community project you've been dreaming of off the ground. And on top of that, we also have a supportive community with weekly coaching calls, monthly peer supervision and a thriving Facebook group. So if all of that sounds good and you want support with your LinkedIn, do come and join us in the Do More Than Therapy membership. Um, the link is in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy. Yeah.